This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 134. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I am here. As you can tell from how excited I am, I am here again, finally, with my bald, beautiful, purple-shirted co-host, Christopher J. Graham. Hi, Brian. I've missed you. Oh, wow. That was such an underwhelming response back. Well, (laughs) usually, like, when I do my voice like that, you can't help but come in with the most obnoxious voice possible, so I'm... Like well, hey, Brian, it's no, really good no. to see you. No. Good. 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 It's, quali- it's good to have you back. Okay. It's good to be back, man. Missed hanging out. You know this already, but I'll fill you guys in a little bit about what's going on. I've had some health issues. It's been a real rough two months. We'll probably get into that more. I'm feeling a lot better on future episodes, but yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm doing better. So it's been a real rough two months. There's been a lot going on with me personally and a lot going on health-wise. Starting to finally feel better, but man, I feel like I've learned more in the past two months than I have in the past 10 years. We'll get into that more in future episodes, I think. So now the saying will be speaking to Chris Graham from 60 days ago instead of 15, (laughs) 16 years ago. (laughs) That fool. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's been Which by the way, you've had a birthday recently. So now it's officially speaking to Chris Graham 17 years ago. This is true. Yeah. And like, as we keep doing this podcast longer and longer and longer, it's going to be Chris Graham of like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and so on and so forth. So yeah, man. that's the running joke of this podcast. That's the running joke. Dude, I'm so glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back, man. I'm, a, it's, uh, I'm excited to know new things and explore what that means and how that can be useful on this podcast. Yeah. Again, anytime we go through a rough patch in life, we learn from that. And hopefully we can take the things that we go through because we're all going to hit rough patches in our lives. So it's like, take the learnings from those rough patches and apply it to this podcast to help people avoid those same things or get through those same things if they experience it themselves. Mm-hmm. So today's episode, we're going to kind of stick to our marketing thing that we've been to recently. That's kind of the kick I've been on. And this is just an easy one for Chris to get back into because you've been off the wagon for a while, man. Like you're like a podcast noob again. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I've got to get my groove back. Yeah. So when it comes to marketing, there's something we've talked about many, many, many times on this podcast, and that is being a go-giver. And so this isn't a phrase that's used that often, but I use it all the time. And this is what I teach my students and it's go-giver marketing. And this episode, we're going to kind of talk about and dissect what go-giver marketing is and how it applies to your business and then what you can actually do to implement it in your business today. And hopefully we're going to get through all this content, but this is going to be an episode I'm going to kind of lead and then Chris can kind of fill in the the gaps where he wishes today. Because again, You've been off the wagon, Chris, so you got to kind of ease back in here. And I'm going to do whatever I can to hold your hand and say, you know what, buddy? It's going to be okay. I'll try to have some dad jokes to throw in. (laughs) Dude, our podcast has been missing on puns, (laughs) has been missing on dad jokes, has been just missing on humor in general. Because like my shortcoming is like business, 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 business. And if you don't business, then you're business, business, business. And that's why we, that's why we don't do as well when it's just me. <laughs> we need your goofy ass on here. I'm glad to be the, uh, who's like a sidekick that's funny for a superhero. Robin, you're Robin. No, Robin is, that's a weird relationship. <laughs> I don't approve of Batman and Robin. That's a strange, like, I know I'll be a vigilante and this kid will help me that I might have adopted. That's weird, man. No, I'm, I'm talking like, uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about. 
it'll like pop in your head like 30 minutes in this episode yeah. and it'll just pop out a random superhero. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, so, okay, let's talk about go-giver marketing. First thing is I want to talk through what go-giver marketing is. And if you've read the book, and I recommend anyone read the book that hasn't read the book. It's literally like you can get through it in an afternoon. If you like audiobooks, it's a perfect audiobook because it's a parable and it's under three hours long. And so if you listen at 1.5 speed, you can get through that thing in like well under two hours. So like there's no excuse to have not listened to or read this book at this point. But I want you to think through what marketing is and think about what you've seen in your Facebook news feed, your Instagram feed, what you see in blog articles that are out there, what you see just generally on the internet. And it is that dirty word marketing. When you think about marketing, most people think of like, just cheesy shit they see, like commercials. Think about commercials you see all the time. It's like, buy my stuff. It's me, me, me. How can I get this person to give me money? And that's just like the general marketing that the world kind of puts out there. And this is the stuff that I ignore 99.99999% of. Like my eyes, I literally, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, my eyes literally glaze over. When I know there's an ad somewhere, my eyes will do whatever they can to avoid it. My eyes are like, I'll do eye gymnastics to avoid an ad when I'm reading an article, like to float over it so I don't actually see what it is, so they don't get the gratification of their logo being ingrained into my head. And most of you are ignoring that stuff too, because again, we're so overwhelmed with marketing messages that we have to tune out almost all of them or else we'll just be overwhelmed. And that's because it's easy to do because most marketing is just normal ass, cheesy marketing that you see everywhere. Go-giver marketing is different because it shifts your approach completely from how can I get this person to give me money to how can I add more value to these people? And again, if you've been listening to this podcast, this is not new to you. You should understand this. Chris, you've said this saying before, and I think I've said it too, but people like to do business with people that they like, trust, and <laughs> uh, respect. Nope. Close. No like and trust. That's no kind of like the and same. trust. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. People want to do business with the people that they know, like, and trust. I had to throw a little curveball to you there, Chris, because you were being quiet for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I hated when teachers would do that to me in class. Chris, what's your answer for number 42? <laughs> you know I didn't do my homework, Mrs. Kerbopple. Is that actually, that was a teacher, wasn't it? From the Simpsons. Oh, okay, God. As I was gonna say, that's, that sounds too specific of a name to not be a real teacher. All right, so people do business with people that they know, like, and trust, and Anyone out there that's seen ads, they focus on one thing, and that is just the first part of that equation. They just get people to know you. They don't help people like you or trust you. They don't do those second two things Ooh, in the equation. I love this. And go-giver marketing is like, hey, we're going to make you aware of what we do. We're going to build likability because we're adding value to your life. And as a byproduct of that, you're going to trust us. So that is the difference. That's the key difference between marketing that you see everywhere and go-giver marketing. You're getting people to know, like, and trust you all in the same interaction. So the go-giver, the book that I talked about a second ago that every single human on earth should read, I'm not going to give a full summary of it here because neither Chris nor I could do it justice. Although Chris could probably do better justice than I do because you have like photographic memory. I can struggle to recite stuff that I read in a book like this morning. <laughs> like you can pull specific quotes out like page 33. Well, not page number, but maybe someday, maybe sometimes. You have a photographic memory is all I'm trying to say. There's five laws they cover in the book that are worth knowing, but I like to focus on the first two because that's more of what matters in go-giver marketing specifically, not just being a go-giver. There are five laws of being a go-giver. The first two are relevant to go-giver marketing. That is the law of value. And that law states that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than how much you take in payment. And that's something to really drive home. What we charge and what we provide are two different things. We charge one thing that's a set monetary value. And we provide a service or give a product to people 
that is another value. And if at any point you start providing a service or a product that is worth less than what you're charging, it's worth less to your customer than what you're charging them, then you're going to go out of business very, very soon. You cannot sustain a business that is not unequal exchange in value, which sounds counterintuitive. Like I can't provide a service to somebody or a product to somebody that has a disproportionate amount of value to them. But every good business on earth is built on the backbone of providing more value than they take. That's really the equation here is I give you a service and just an easy example would be like, say you pay me five grand and I help you with every single aspect of your entire business's marketing engine. If that generates less than $5,000 of income for you, that's not a very good business model for me. (laughs) Ideally, it generates 10 or 20 or 50 or $100,000 of additional value for your business. And that's what I'm talking about here, where I'm getting five grand to exchange my knowledge and know-how and systems and all of that stuff to give you a marketing engine that generates money for years and years to come and is many multiples of what you paid me. That's kind of this in a nutshell. So for your audio work, there's not always a monetary value, but there's definitely an intangible value when it comes to self-actualization and fulfillment with this sort of stuff. So again, there's, it's not always a, a monetary value. There's other sorts of value than besides that. So that's the first law that we have to think about when we're talking about go-giver marketing. That's the law of value. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than how much more you take in payment. Second law that has to do with go-giver marketing is the law of compensation. And that is this, your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle. I agree. And honestly, this is where the biggest opportunity for go-giver marketing comes into play because all of us have things that we can do to help our customers or our clients or potential customers, potential clients. And Chris, you do this with your test masters. If I am a client and I don't really understand what mastering is, your before and after player gives me value because I can kind of hear what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. But your test master is the ultimate value add because I can hear the exact thing that mastering is. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to do any sort of technical know-how or try to like tell me what LUFs are or <laughs> what RMS or yeah. what sort of like, compre- like you don't have to explain any of that shit. You can just show me. And because you can just show me and that's a huge value to me as your customer, then I am more than happy to pay you money. So that's the law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you can serve and how well you can serve them. And this comes into go-giver marketing more. And I'll, and I'll talk into this more. I'm kind of like all over the place with this, but you'll understand as I get more into this. Well, let me throw a little bit more in here. So where this gets tricky, and I'll, to be honest, where I really messed up when I was a young man trying to produce records for a living is I did the opposite of this in a lot of ways. And I had a client who had a really good job, had a lot of success as a musician as well. And I started making a record for him. We went way over on time for a lot of reasons. It switched over to my day rate and I worked with this guy forever. We became really good friends, but the problem was he was the only client I worked with for months and months and months and months. And by the time everything was all said and done, the record never came out. He never ended up releasing it. What I should have been doing instead of being like, okay, well, this guy is great. We're making a cool record. I'm going to give him all my time. If I would have found a way to be doing smaller projects for a larger number of people, instead of just being like big fish, big fish, big fish, big fish, I would have been so much happier and there would have been so much more opportunity to serve. Sometimes, and I know any of you that are listening to this episode and are pushing back on this idea of go-giver are thinking, yeah, but what if I like really add value and like really help somebody and then they don't like hook me back, back up, yeah? What if they don't reciprocate? Sometimes they don't. That's why this is a numbers game. If you can help 100 people, you can rest assured that 80 of them are going to 
maybe not 80, but a lot of them, not none of them are going to do something that's going to help you over the long term. Yep. And that's kind of what I say is if you focus on being a go-giver, you will get a 10x return on any time, energy, money you invest into that. It will not be a 10x return every time, but as a whole, you'll get a 10x return. So you have to have enough people that you're helping in order for statistics to take over and for it to start to average out that you're making 10x. Yep. So let's talk about this. This is something I teach and something that I've been working on, and that is creating go-giver marketing assets. And this is where those first two laws come into play, where the first law, again, is the law of value, providing more value to people, and the law of compensation, where your income is determined by how many people you can help and serve. Chris can only do so many test masters for people. Like there's a limit to how many people he can serve with that. So when I talk about this and when I teach this is I'm talking about creating scalable go-giver marketing assets, things that can be deployed over and over and over again that doesn't take any extra time, effort, or energy on my end. So I really love automated things like that. Like a podcast about business for audio guys? Yeah, this podcast (laughs) is a go-giver marketing asset. We can say, we can come on here one time. We can provide a lot of value to people. It introduces people to the Six Figure Home Studio as a whole, so people learn to know us. It builds likability because of Chris's dumb humor and my (laughs) nonsense attitude. (laughs) And it builds trust because we've added value to people's lives. So like this is, in a nutshell, a form of it. Now, there's still a time element to it, but this is a form of it. So you're experiencing it right now. There's other things that I do as well that don't take any of my time. It's things that I did years ago that still provide value to people, creates awareness for people, and and builds trust with people. And that's my ebook. That is some PDF guides that I have out there. It's a webinar. It's videos on YouTube. Like there's so many ways that this works. So I don't want people to, to be stuck on the actual deliverable, the actual asset it's, itself. I want people to walk away with this understanding how to think through and create something for themselves. And that is where we get to step two in this process. And by the way, there's a five-step process here that I teach. Since I didn't do this in the beginning, and again, whatever, this is the way we do things here. We're we're quick and dirty sometimes. Step one is first understanding what go-giver marketing is, which I just talked about. And then step two is research and brain dump. And this is where we start thinking through all the things that are in your head and doing a little research on the internet to get more ideas. We're trying to find certain things. And let me explain what I'm talking about here, because this is the key to making go-giver marketing assets for your studio or whatever business you do, really, not just studio. Any business can do this. Think about this. What problems do your customers or potential customers experience that you can help them with? This is literally like, that's the golden question. And so if you look at anything on my website that you can exchange a name and email address for and get in return, almost all of them solve a specific problem. So what specific problems can you help somebody with? Let me interject there. I think what a lot of people do, especially in our industry, I see it a lot, is that people think about that backwards. They say, what problems can I solve versus what problems do my customers solve? And that's no offense if you're doing this, but that's why I see a lot of guys that are like, I'm going to make a tutorial video on how to use a compressor that 12 people are going to watch. That's great that you know how to use a compressor. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But what you might find more value in doing is figuring out how to use the skills that allowed you to learn how compression works, because you probably taught yourself, right? That's how most of us have learned. And to use that to figure out, one, what are your customers' problems? And two, can you solve them for them? Not offering, hey, let me show you how to solve a problem that I already know how to solve. That's nice, but it's a lot more valuable if you can figure out what their problem is and help them solve it. And I know this might be a little bit mysterious, but you got to think about why would someone make a record with you anyways? It's not as simple as, well, I want my record to sound really good. Why? Oh... Because I want people to think I'm cool. Okay, there we go. Now we're somewhere. They have a hope and a dream that's not just like, I want a record that sounds good. 
and you got to dig into that. That's where you can really start to solve problems. Yep. And just to kind of branch out from what Chris said there, it's not always problems related to the services that you offer. That's just the easiest place to start. Sometimes you're just providing a guide or a video or something that is just a problem that they experience outside of this. And that doesn't disqualify you from creating it. If you know how to solve a problem someone has, but here again, we're not really in this step of the process. We're just brainstorming. I call it a brain dump. Anything in your head that you think is a problem that your potential customer has, write it down. Nothing is limited here. Like just write down a problem that they have that you could potentially help them with. And bonus points if it's related to the products or services you sell. But here's the golden area that I want you to focus on is what problems can you help your customers solve that will actually increase the demand for the products or services that you sell? An example is if you're a mastering engineer, Chris Graham, to help a customer increase their needs for his mastering services, he could help them self-produce their music or mix their own music, creating some sort of guides around that and sending it to his customers to help enable them to craft more music themselves so that they can pay Chris Graham to master those songs. So in Chris Graham's world, a perfect go-giver marketing asset, at least in this brainstorm phase right now, are problems related to things that hold them back from writing or recording or mixing music. Because those are the three steps that they really have to do before he can master the music. So again, writing down problems that keep them from doing one of those three things is a great place to start. Incidentally, let me point this out. Like when you invited me to do this podcast initially, I thought about exactly this stuff that we're talking about now. And I was like, well, why aren't people sending me more records? What do they need to be able to send me more records? Oh yeah, more clients. Okay, I can help there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So other problems could be problems related to the client's careers. So if your potential client is a touring musician, they have certain problems related to that. If their career isn't their music and it's something else, that's where I probably wouldn't venture into. Like if they're if you're doing white collar clients whose day job is in the corporate world and they just do music on the side for fun and you make a good profit off of that, I don't think I would start to focus on problems in their corporate careers. But you know what I mean? Like if they're a touring musician or they are an, an engineer and you're a mastering engineer, like Chris Graham's customers are mixing engineers and recording studios. So his customers' career-based problems are in the business world, which is what he's doing right now. Their problems are getting more clients. And you just talked about that is on this podcast, you help your ideal customers get more customers themselves, which helps you get more customers. It's meta as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's something that I think takes a lot of creativity. And I think what most people where they resist this sort of thinking is they don't want to be creative. They just want to look at somebody who's a little older than they are and say, well, what do they do? I'm just going to, you know, steal the recipe. That's not great business. It's not very profitable. It's not very sustainable. And it's really easy to have someone steal your recipe too. If you are the first person to use a recipe, you're doing something new that no one's ever done before, namely helping people in a way that nobody else is helping them before. That's where stuff starts to get interesting. And there's a lot of peripheral stuff that you can, especially in our industry, start to work on. You can help them with their merch. You can help them with their streaming. You can help them with their social media. You can help them with licensing. And again, these are all career-based problems that they have that are worth writing down. Again, we're brainstorming here. This is not like you have to have an answer for everything. Just think through problems that they have and the sky's the limit. But these are all great areas to look into. Yeah, there's just so many opportunities to be able to help people. What I'm trying to say here is I think that every one of you guys listening, every one of you girls listening, you're a Venn diagram. You're not just, well, I'm good at audio. I've got one circle and that's where my mastery is. You've got a couple and it's where those circles overlap that start to get interesting. I had, okay, I'm good at systems. Okay, I'm good at mastering. Okay, I'm good at business. Uh, where do those all overlap? Right freaking here. So that's where I am. 
if you're in a situation where you're like, hey, I am um, an amazing producer, but I'm also a really, really talented writer, then it's where those two circles overlap that you should be helping people. And I would say, you know, for something like that, like start a community of writers, start like, you know, a songwriting class, start, you know, a songwriter's circle in your town. If there's a bunch of songwriters, there's a million things that you can do to use that overlap to your advantage while helping people at the exact same time. All right. So we talked about problems that people experience. That was kind of the first area of brainstorming all of this stuff. The second area is thinking through what sort of goals that your target customer has for themselves. So that's kind of like the, there's like a one or two things that I have on the Six Figure M Studio. It's not a thing that solves a problem, but it's something that helps someone work towards a goal that they may have for themselves. So this is another area of you being able to create some sort of go-giver marketing asset is by helping your target customer reach a specific goal. So again, write down a piece of paper or a notepad or something somewhere, list out what sort of goals that your target customer has with them. This can be goals related to whatever service you offer. It can be goals related to their career or anything in the immediate area of what you do or what they're trying to do. Yeah. And I think to that point, I got to give you a compliment on this. When you came up with the idea of the Six Figure Home Studio, that was really a stroke of genius. And it's one of the reasons this podcast and your blog has done so well is because when someone says, oh man, have you heard the Six Figure Home Studio? They go, that sounds kind of stupid. Wait a minute. That's my dream. <laughs> it's, it's right there. It's this idea of like home studio, six figures. Oh man. The name of our podcast is basically a goal that people try to reach. Yeah. Unless you're in a country that has a really high income, like currency conversion, where like a hundred K is like a dollar to you. <laughs> I've seen some of that. It's like, um, I forget which currencies there are out there, but like a hundred K or a six figure business Venezuela. Is, is like not even scraping by. <laughs> It's like, I need a seven-figure business in those countries for it to be a big deal. I hadn't really thought about that that much, but you're right. It'd be interesting to correlate our download numbers per country with the exchange rate. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a funny exercise. So the final thing that is worth thinking about whenever you're brainstorming these sort of things, these uh, just getting out of your head is think through what sort of things does your target customer want to learn? And this is where research comes into play a lot. But although research happens on any of these things, you can research Facebook groups that contain your target customer. You can research other blogs or YouTube channels and see what sort of problems they're solving, what sort of goals they're helping people reach, or what sort of things they're teaching people in general. And again, this is going to vary so much because we have a, a broad variety of listeners right now. But if you think through just those three things, what problems do your customers and potential customers experience that you could help them with? What are some goals that you can help them reach? And what sort of things does your target customer want to learn? Those three things alone, just brainstorm and research and look online everywhere. And you'll have a massive list. Totally. One of the things I would throw out there is for you younger people that are listening, you know, you're in that, you know, sort of teens and 20s phase, especially younger 20s. That can be challenging. I think when you hear advice like that, what young people often do and what I definitely did when I was young is I surveyed a bunch of other people my own age. That's one of the disadvantages of our education system is if you're 22, pretty much all your friends are 21, 22, and 23 years old. And so when Brian says something like, you know, survey your marketplace, figure out what they want to learn, you only know people that are a year older or younger than you. So you only ask those people. In the marketplace, you cannot build a business only servicing people in a three-year age gap. It has to be way wider than that. And incidentally, for most products and services, 
20, 21, 22, 23, not the most wealthy, not the biggest spenders. So you got to spread it out a little wider than that. You got to be thinking, what does humanity want? Not what do my friends from college want most of the time. I'll push back a little on that with my mixing and mastering business. Like my age range is like a three-year difference. (laughs) So like, and it's, it's changed over the years, but generally it's not a very big gap when it comes to that. So it's men who are in third puberty, <laughs> but man, it comes back to our different business models though. Like yeah. I'm high dollar, low volume, you're low dollar, high volume. Like just because you're doing mastering, you have to do a lot of projects, a lower price I'm doing mixing. I don't have to do that many projects because I'm charging a lot more. So I can make a career out of a very small age gap. So I just want to point that out. Devil's advocate there, but either way, it's a good point you're making. Because in most industries and business models, you do have to have a wider gap than just your immediate age group. Yeah. It's a weird thing, man. It's, you know, when you're that age, you really think it's difficult to get a fix on what the world really is at that age. It really is. So by now, if you have been following along and actually doing any sort of work or you're doing it after the fact, we're on step three now. That is organize and identify. You should have a long list of things that you've done through your research or just brain dumping stuff onto a piece of paper. And this is where uh, it's a little more difficult because, and this is where I try to help people one-on-one, but this isn't obviously a place to do that, where you are looking through this and you are trying to organize it by category. You're trying to organize it by the type of customer. You're trying to organize it by things that you can and can't do. There's a lot that goes into organizing this, but try to think through some sort of framework that you can organize all of your thoughts that makes sense for you. You can do it in a hierarchy. Like these are high value problems that I can solve down to like, these are high value, high value things that I can't solve, or these are low value things that I can solve, or these are low value things that I can't solve. And those are probably the ones you want to stay out of the most. So it's kind of like a four grid system, whatever thing you do. And I can't really help you with this because this takes a little more personalized approach. Then you need to pick the top two or three of those things. This is where you get to the identify part, identify which of those are worth pursuing at this point and just choose one or two right now, but you can like bold or highlight or underline a few of them. And just kind of go in order because this moves us to the next step, which is step four. And that is creating your go-giver marketing asset. And that's where I can kind of come back and help people a little bit more here. Because again, step three is kind of that black box that differs so much from person to person to person that I can't give just general advice on how to sort through your brain dump and like get it out and pick which ones you should use. But now we're actually going to create a go-giver marketing asset. And that's where it's kind of fun again, because I can start giving more structured advice. But there's a lot of different delivery mechanisms for these sorts of things. And depending on what sort of problem you're solving or goal you're helping someone achieve or thing you're helping someone learn, whatever thing you choose is going to warrant a different type of approach. But just to kind of give people a quick and dirty overview of what your options are, you have videos and those videos can be put on YouTube or you can put them behind an opt-in wall where they're having to put a name and email address in. Two different ways to approach it, two different methods behind things. I would say YouTube is probably the best approach to this because again, our goal is to help as many people as possible. And putting it behind an opt-in wall is generally you help less people, but that again, we're getting semantics here. So that's videos. You've got blog articles you can do. There are PDF guides you can create. That's either like a cheat sheet style where you're just kind of helping someone get a quick win or like a checklist style where you're helping someone audit something or go through something. And like an example would be, I've been working on this, a checklist for your website. So these are the things you need to have on your website. If you don't have these things, you need to add it. That sort of guide. That's like a easily consumed quickly done, but adds a lot of value to somebody, that sort of thing. There are things like email courses. I do this myself where I have something somebody struggles with and they can sign up for it. One of those things being the Jumpstart Your Marketing email course that I mentioned uh, a few episodes ago. 
where it's like an eight day course. It goes through eight different marketing things that helps people work towards the goal of improving their studio's marketing messaging. God made the world in only six days, Brian. Why is your email course got to be eight days? That's, that's a good question. I don't know, man. <laughs> it could probably be six days and, and it wouldn't lose any value. <laughs> and you'd be able to keep the Sabbath. It's true. Sinner. I'll go back and revamp it for you, man. <laughs> but again, think, of, think through like that one thing. I'm helping people with their marketing. There's like a million different ways I could do this. I could put it all into one long PDF. I could put it into an ebook, which is an, another delivery method. I could have made a video course. I could have done a blog article. Like what makes one method better than another? And to be honest with you, I don't really have a great answer for that. It determines on like what excites you at the time that you're creating it. Yeah, fun. Yep. And does it help you reach whatever goal you're trying to get with someone? And obviously, like, does the mechanism that you're using to deliver this content make sense? I think there's another piece here, too. One of the mistakes I see people make in this area is they get an idea and they make it without talking to anybody. They spend hour after hour after hour doing the thing that they think is brilliant. When I think there's something to be said to listening to the marketplace. If you are continually being asked the same question, that is a pretty good indication that that's something that you should make as a go-giver marketing asset. If you're answering a question no one's ever asked you before, you got two problems. One, no one might have the question. Or two, no one thinks you have the answer. Those are both problems. So when you're picking this stuff, yeah, you want to make sure it is a question that people want answered. You want to make sure that you have access to the people who have the question. And I think most importantly, you want to make sure you're having fun. If it's not something that you enjoy, that you love, people sense that. Nobody wants to download something that you didn't enjoy making. Yep. Another delivery mechanism could be a pod class. Oh, this is one yeah. thing I had to think about is we haven't done this yet, but I've been thinking about doing it where it's like you take a topic. This could be one that we're talking about now and you create a multi-episode pod class that's delivered over audio. So there's a bunch of different ways you could do that, but that's a fun way to do a delivery mechanism as well. But again, when you're creating it, it's up to you how you do this and how much work you put into this, but it has to be valuable to your customer. And here's the thing, and this is something I've heard a lot of people say. And so I kind of sit on the fence of this. One camp says you need something that's easily consumed in like five to 10 minutes that solves a problem that is like a high priority for that person. And they call it like a, a crunchy solution, like something that's like, I can take a bite of that and crunch it and it's solved my problem. Like that's one approach. And I think that that brings in potentially the wrong type of person for a lot of people. Because it's somebody that's not willing to really invest into something. So if it's a quick and dirty solution and that's what they're looking for, then that type of customer is a specific type of person you may not want to have in your email database to potentially be a customer for you in the future. That's a great point. I think this is a big problem here, especially in the service industry. If you build assets or you're running ads to those assets, whatever you happen to be doing, and you are assuming that the person who wants that resource that you are giving away for free will be a good customer, your success is not only just based on can you get people to be aware of the content, can you get people to download the content, but then will the people who download the content buy a product? Or service. Or a service. That's a big jump. And it gets particularly tricky in the service market because you have to hand vet people to service them. When you're working one-to-one, -one, one bad lead can waste a ton of time for you. So that's why kind of with our industry, it's a little more quality than quantity. And so that's an important distinction. So again, we go back to that second law from the go-giver, the law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. And so when I talk about like the quick and dirty and crunchy solution that a lot of people will want to download, it sounds like that's serving a lot of people, but it's really not. Because here's what I've learned in that in my own businesses is 
when people want that crunchy, like quick and dirty solution, you're not really helping them because most people they're looking for that solution don't actually implement what it is you give them. And so what I've learned is quality is almost always better than quantity when it comes to this sort of thing. Because at the end of the day, if you focus on quality, more people are helped at the end of the day. And it's really, it's a weird thing and I don't really fully understand it, but I've just learned if I put a lot of time, effort and energy into creating a go-giver marketing asset that genuinely helps someone, I get way less people interested in that asset, but the people who actually go through and utilize that are way better, way better customers, potential customers, leads, whatever you want to call them, way, way, way better because I've genuinely helped those people. And so they like and trust me way more than just some quick and dirty crunchy solutions. That's just something to keep in mind when it comes to step four, creating your go-giver marketing asset. Put the work into it here because the world does not need another piece of shit lead magnet on the internet that's just some ebook you threw together or PDF or checklist that doesn't really solve any real problem. Well, you bring up a great point there, Brian. I think it's important to address our mindsets when we're making these assets. Ultimately, as humans, myself included, maybe most of all, we're obsessed with what other people think about us. I've never thought of that before. <laughs> we're, we're obsessed with other people's opinions of us, and that pollutes every single thing that we do. So when you're making this lead magnet, it's really tempting to make the lead magnet that will get you a lot of clicks, that will get you a lot of attention, that will affirm you of good job, Chris, pat yourself on the back, rather than this is something that only 15 people are going to find, but every single one of them is going to be an absolutely amazing $10,000 potential customer. Yep. So my advice is when you're doing this, whether that you're doing this as I'm giving away free assets and I'm posting them online or whether I'm advertising these free assets, whatever it happens to be, winning this game isn't about making some huge piece of grand slam content. Winning this game is about making small piece of content after small piece of content after small piece of content that serves a need. And if you do that, eventually you've got all these little machines that are around the internet working for you, doing your marketing job for you, building relationships for you. So my advice is don't just think like, I'm going to, you know, try to make the number one blog post on mixing. Don't do that. Yeah. You make a really good point here is don't try to solve every problem under the sun in one giant thing. Like focus on one problem at a time. And here's the thing. You may not nail it. You may not knock it out of the park the first time, but you can actually do a lot to learn. So done is better than perfect. So here's a balance that you have to strike. And I'm kind of going against what I said. So I want to be clear here. There's a balance between creating what is the perfect go-giver marketing asset, the perfect video series or the perfect webinar or the perfect ebook or the perfect checklist or whatever. There's a balance between that because that never gets released. There is no perfect anything. So that's why I don't want people to focus on perfection. There's a balance between that and the person who just shits something out quickly. There is a good balance between those two things. And I almost err towards the quicker side a little bit because that means I can get it out and get feedback and input from human beings first to see if it truly helps them so that I can go back and take what I learned and improve that thing. That's where people fall short is they focus on perfecting it first, thinking they're going to nail it. And so it takes either forever or they never release the thing instead of getting it done quicker and getting feedback from actual human beings that are going through and using or making use of whatever it is that you create. Well, and there's a flywheel there that you and I have experienced with this podcast. Like as far as minutes spent making this content versus minutes published, our ratio is crazy high because we improvise almost the whole thing every time with maybe a, you know, a hundred word outline at most before we start. But what's important there and not, I don't want to feel like we're bragging on ourselves here, but this is something like, I feel like we actually did a good job here 
is by making stuff quickly, we learned how to make stuff quickly, which allows us to make stuff quickly. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think Graham Cochran is like the golden child of this, where like he can literally cut a camera on, record a 45-minute podcast episode in one take that is incredible and flawless and high value and takes him such a small amount of time compared to most human beings. It's not just a podcast. It's a video for YouTube as well, like a high-quality video as well. So like kudos to Graham Cochran. You get the six-figure home studio salute today for your incredible content creation abilities. But again, he doesn't focus on perfect, even though I just said it was like perfection. It's, it's not net. I mean, he, I've heard a mess up and like have to look at notes and, and fumble for a second, but he doesn't care about that. He knows at the end of the day, he's providing the value and he is better suited to help more people more often by putting out content that's imperfect than to try to nitpick and put out quote perfect content and only do it once a month. The man puts out like three videos, four videos a week on YouTube and a podcast episode. Well, and what I admire about Graham and that I want to see, I want more of this in my own self is he doesn't seem to be really, he doesn't seem to care what people think. He doesn't care if his peers think he's awesome or not. And that's why he's winning. He cares about what his audience experiences from the content he puts out. Exactly. And for a lot of us, it's tricky because you put out a lead magnet, you know, let's say you're a mix engineer and you put out something, who are you going to get feedback from? Other mix engineers. Doesn't matter. Their feedback doesn't matter because you have to do something they aren't doing to find your own section of the market. And I think, you know, with Graham's strategy and what we're trying to do here with this podcast is we want to be good at making the content. We want to build the skill of I can off the cuff talking to a microphone and it sounds kind of good. And then thank God James and Brian can edit it later and remove all the stupid <laughs> stuff. That's the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But there's a system there that allows us, you know, we've got, I don't even know how many, like what, a hundred and maybe 200 hours of content now or getting close to 200 hours of content. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's not because we put in 20,000 hours on the podcast. It's because we learned how to podcast. Literally thousands of minutes. Thousands. So now we're on step five. This is the final step in the five-step process for creating your go-giver marketing assets. And that is to promote those go-giver marketing assets. Again, go back to the second law of being a go-giver marketer. And that is the law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. You can serve them really well with doing what we just talked about. But if no one knows about this asset, then it's not going to do you any good. So you have to get to this part, which is promotion. And there's so many ways to do it. And I'm not going to, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of this because this is as many ways as there is to market. This is how many ways you have the ability to promote this thing. There's an infinite number of ways that you can promote this. But what I will say is the better this asset is and the more your potential audience needs this or customer needs this, the easier it is and the cheaper it is to promote this. And so going back to like an example, the only ads that catch my eye on Facebook are the ones that are focusing on a problem that I have and solving that problem. And so I'm just going to leave you with this. And this is the only thing I'm going to talk about is a framework in which to advertise this thing, especially if you are solving a problem with your marketing asset. It's three-step framework for promoting it. It's problem, agitate, solve, P-A-S. You are pointing out the problem that you're solving. You are agitating that problem. So you're kind of like poking into how frustrating it is to have that problem so that you're building the demand for the thing that you just created. And then you are solving that problem by saying, hey, so this is the thing you've experienced. It's really annoying because of X, Y, and Z. So here is this guide, here is this video, here is this thing that will help you achieve outcome. And that's basically the template I use on a ton of ads and a ton of Facebook posts, a ton of emails. Like this is the go-to thing that I use if I'm doing a problem-focused 
or a solution-focused piece of content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a download, whether it's something I'm doing, a lead magnet, whether it's a Facebook ad to something, whatever I'm doing, that's generally the framework that I use and it works extremely well. Yeah, one of the other things to keep in mind there too, this is the method I used when I really got Chris Graham Mastering rolling was I had a YouTube video that I would run as an ad and the most important part of that YouTube video was to ask a question to qualify that this person might hire me. First thing I would do, well, I mean, there are a number of videos, but the one that did the best, this is years ago. I think it started something like, are you having trouble mastering your own mixes or something like that? And anybody that's starting with a problem. Right. And if someone was like, yeah, (laughs) and then I would kind of agitate some more and talk about, well, it's tricky because you're trying to master your own mixes. You're not a professional mix engineer, but your favorite songs were mastered by a professional mastering engineer. It's hard to wear both of those hats at the same time. Oh my gosh, I understand. That does sound so challenging. Hey, why don't you just let me do a free sample for you? Boom. The reason you want to start quickly with identifying, are they a good potential customer or not? is because if they say, hmm, maybe, but they're not a good customer, they're going to keep watching your ad. And guess what? That means you got to pay for it. Yeah. So YouTube, you don't get charged on the ad unless they watch a certain amount of it. 30 seconds or a click. At least that's the way it was back in the day. So that's really important on YouTube because you want to turn people off as quickly as possible if they're not a good match for you. Yeah. You were trying to exclude as much as you can in that first 10 seconds. And you just want the only the people that are good potential customers for you to keep watching, basically. I've seen people make ads that are like, hey, are you in the market for a new carpet? If you're not, get out of here. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. If you're still here, that means you're in the market for a new carpet. Let's talk about carpet. You sound like a Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> Dreams, dreams. I just want to be a cartoon character someday, guys. There you go. Can somebody on this that listens to the show just make that dream happen? Let me be a cartoon character. If you work in post, ideally Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, something like that. I just want one line like, I know. That's all I want. I just want to say one like two word line. Is that it? Is that all you had to say about that? Free coaching with Chris Graham. If you can get me, <laughs> okay. if you can get me a credit in a major motion picture, two words. That's all I need. All right. That's all I have to say about this. I don't want to go down the promotion rabbit hole too much because we've talked about it in the past. We'll probably have future episodes on this. This is like the top of funnel thing that we've talked about a million times and that I've talked about a million times and we're already deep enough in this episode as it is. But just know that this approach, this go-giver marketing approach makes this entire top of funnel part infinitely easier. Mm-hmm. And this is what I base all my businesses on. And this is what I teach people to base their businesses on because it is so much harder to stand out now than it has ever been. So this part has to be done. To me, it's no longer optional. Agreed. Yeah, you got to be standing out in some way, shape or form. And I think that a big part of this business thing is just figuring out how you can help people. And I think that we're all equipped. We're all gifted. We all have some special gift that allows us to help people in a way that other people can't, that nobody else can. And this idea of like finding your voice, you hear that phrase a lot. Finding your voice means figuring out how to help other people whether that means making them laugh, whether that means helping them run their business better, whether that means helping them bounce their files faster. I don't know. (laughs) You know, you have to figure out like where you can help and that's where the snowballs start to roll downhill. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. So good to have Chris Graham back. I miss his dad jokes, his puns, his humor. And I'm sure you can already tell, but... He definitely helps this podcast by keeping it from just being a business, business, business podcast 
adding a little bit of lightness and humor to the episodes while still dropping the knowledge bombs that Chris Graham likes to drop. Before we wrap up today, I want to mention something that is coming up with what's going on in my other business, filepass.com. We have an update coming up sometime in the very near future. It's basically done now and we're just testing things to make sure everything's working right. But we're launching a few new things with FilePass, one of which is a Zapier integration. So you'll be able to start integrating a lot of other apps with FilePass and automating a lot of cool shit. And so I'm going to have a lot of cool content around ways to automate your business and FilePass would be a big part of that. So if you've been looking for ways and excuses to get into Zapier, and start automating some of the tedious parts of your business. I will be putting out content about that in the future. Second thing is we're launching a integration with PayPal. So now it won't just be credit card only for your clients to pay. They will also be able to pay via their PayPal account. So those are two huge things coming up for FilePass. So if you want to go in and get in there and just start playing around with it before those big updates come out, go to filepass.com right now and you can sign up for a free trial. And hopefully if it's not already done by the time you get in there, very soon after those updates will come out and you'll have access to those two big things. If for some reason you haven't heard me talk about FilePass in the past, maybe you're new to the podcast, FilePass is a file sharing platform built for the recording industry. We are competing with Dropbox or WeTransfer when it comes to sending files to your clients. And we do a lot of things differently than them. But a couple of the things we do differently is one, we have completely lossless streaming. So if you upload 24-bit, WAV files to FilePass, your client will stream that exact quality file from any device on any browser. We do not dumb it down to like a, a terrible MP3, which is what Dropbox and the other competitors do. Second of all, we have what's called a paywall, meaning your clients can stream, they can leave comments and timestamped revision requests all throughout the song, but they cannot download the files until they have actually paid you. So this is optional, but if you if they owe you money, you can just add how much they owe on that project. And then once they've paid you through FilePass, the download automatically unlocks and you don't have to do a thing. So again, if you want to get that, just go to filepass.com and you can sign up for a free 14-day trial. That is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, happy hustling. Whoa.